This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, this is Bob Asman, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. We're glad you're listening to my podcast today, especially because I have a great guest joining me in Jeff Sheehan. Jeff, um, welcome to the All Things Considered CX podcast. Please Thank introduce you. yourself to our audience. Right. Uh, well, thanks uh, so much, Bob, for, for bringing me on. I really appreciate the invitation. Um, yeah, Jeff Sheehan, I am a guy, an American guy from uh, Boston, uh, Massachusetts originally. I currently live in Dublin, Ireland, uh, moved here in 2018. Um, and I've been involved with customer experience management in one way or another uh, for the past 25 years. I was um, at just when I graduated university, I, I went into the went to active duty military service. And, um, and then when I left, it was the mid 90s and I got into um, customer service and I started with um, field service management where I was supervising a team of guys who would go out to customer sites to install. Uh, upgrade, move, change, and repair uh, various types of data center hardware, whether it was uh, front-end processors or computing, storage, networking, all kinds of stuff. Had some really, really cool customers. Um, but in, in that experience, you know, I was managing dispatching and workload and contract assignments to field engineers. We were, um, you know, managing KPIs. I had, a, I think, a $50 million P&L that I was responsible for that included spare parts management and the whole thing it was it was it was a little customer service business that I was in charge of and it exposed me to almost every dimension of not just service delivery but the the the, the back office operations billing receivables collection and so forth um, and it very much put me in touch with customers every day face to face uh, with customers uh, escalations account reviews and so on and so forth so it was a great um, uh, I would say baptism by fire that I joined this this profession uh, in, in my first job, and then I went into sales. I went into uh, IT service sales, and initially for the you know for for some period of time, I was attaching services to products. Um, we I was part of a team that created an entirely new business for um using the the excess bandwidth the excess capacity of our worldwide customer service organization to go and approach other equipment manufacturers and become their sort of de facto service arm and we would use our service desk uh global service desk capability global parts logistics capability and all of our um, data warehouse analytics capability to deliver field services on behalf of other um equipment manufacturers, and we had some great customers. I mean, uh, if anyone remembers Sun Microsystems, that was a customer I had a huge contract with those guys uh, and a number of other folks in the networking and computing um, arena. 
And then it went into managed services where we were just sort of taking a forklift to customers environments where they wanted to just outsource their service desk and their sort of back office operation. And I had a lot of retail customers and financial services customers. So we were either doing store and restaurant um, um, support for call center uh, work and dispatching of multiple types of vendors. So for example, if McDonald's called with a bad uh, freezer, we would dispatch the freezer vendor, we would track the call and all that kind of stuff and do the reporting and account management. Um, but also with banks, you know, we were doing uh, network management for uh, ATM machines and we were showing, one of the best parts about my managed services background was we built in reduced pricing over um, out years. So if we did a five-year contract, year five was cheaper than year one. And that was possible because we were finding where the cost was, where the leaks were, where the where the excess uh, inefficiency was, and we were getting rid of it. So we were using data very, very carefully in those um, in that managed services program. And it was really, really cool to be a part of that and learn you know a great deal about how you can you can capture data and use the data to drive um, you know improved business results, improved business results. And then I got into um, um, consulting. I was I was doing sort of digital transformation kinds of consulting work uh, with middle market companies and then with um, with Fortune 500 sort of big enterprise organizations who were using the internet in a profound way to automate and uh, uh, processes and and whole functions like you know things like CRM and ERP and and um, you know those kinds of big implementations. Um, so as part of that. And, and really part of the advisory of that, you know, figuring out the strategy, people process, technology, um, you know, frameworks and get all that sorted out. So we knew what, where they were now, where they wanted to go. And we had built a roadmap for the customer to get there. So it was very steeped in that, which was a great, great experience. Um, and then I took a detour. <laughs> I went to work for, for Apple because I wanted to really understand how they did their job. I'm a huge Apple fan. We've probably got 25 different Apple products in my house as we speak. Um, but I wanted to do uh, the job of working in an Apple retail store um, for a couple of reasons. One is I was in a great position to be able to do that financially. So, so on a personal, you know, sort of level, it was it was it wasn't um, um, harmful to me in, in any way. But but on a professional level, it really got me into the Apple environment and their culture. Um, and of course, the tools and, and, and processes that were used. Um, and while they do collect tons and tons of NPS data, um, we really relied on the on the verbatim feedback in, in, in our um, everyday um, show up to work, check your um, customer feedback and really take it to heart and use it to improve your personal performance. So I, I got to see from a, you know, a premier customer experience organization how a culture is shaped and sustained and how tools are used, not just for creating scores and, and business metrics, but how it, they actually work with the employee experience and the customer experience. So it was really, really a beneficial experience. I got everything out of it that I, I wanted to get out of it. And then I, uh, I got married and moved to Ireland. Uh, <laughs> and one of the great things about moving to a new country is you get to sort of reinvent yourself. You get to sort of, pause for a moment and, and, and think, what do I want to do? I could, I could kind of start anywhere. 
And, um, and what I decided to do was to start my own little consulting business in the customer experience domain. And, and then, uh, and I did that and, uh, got a couple of clients, uh, just getting started. And then, uh, the COVID business happened and quarantines and all the rest of it. So, um, so I diverted my effort into writing a book, which, um, really began as a LinkedIn article. And then this kept <clears throat> sort of snowballing until now I'm about to launch this, this book. Um, it will launch in this month, June, um, sort of unofficially, if you will. And then it, it'll be available, uh, widely available in, in July of this year. So, so that, that brings us right up to the minute, but, um, it doesn't feel like it's been 25 years of working in this industry. It feels like it's been lots of little instances of other experiences that have sort of accumulated. And I think that's right. how I would char characterize my, my work, my background is, um, I feel like I've touched just about every base, um, you can in, in the customer services, customer operations, um, arena. So I, I feel like, um, you know, I do have at least some, touchstone experience with, with any dimension of, of CX. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I, I think it's a great fit for me personally. I think it's, a, it's just fits, we, as you know, Bob, in your work um, and in your career, customer service people tend to gravitate, the right people tend to gravitate towards customer service work and, and customer experience mm -hmm. work. And it, it generally suits their personality. And I would say that's very true for me. So there, that's, well, that's and, my and intro. Th thanks, Jeff. That's great because our listeners love to hear the career paths, which are rarely vertical in nature. They're almost always a zigzag across functions, disciplines, organizations. So, and yours is certainly yeah. a great example of that. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, that's a great point. I want to just add to that if I can. There's sure. a great quote from Steve Jobs, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna quote him verbatim because I don't remember the word for word. But there's a video it's somewhere on on YouTube that where Steve Jobs says, you know, it's only in hindsight that you can connect the dots and and see the path and see the pattern and see how, you know, getting uh, rejected from a job application got you, you know you didn't get hired somewhere, but then you get hired somewhere else and how looking back, you can see how that affected your rural career. And, and, you know, with 25 years to look or 35 years, actually to look back on, I can see that those dots and how they connect. And I would say to anyone uh, who's, you know, starting a career and or in early stages of their professional uh, work, you know, that there isn't that, that, that ladder, that career ladder, that, that is the sort of, um, 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 device that we use to imagine, you know, what our work should look like. It isn't linear. It's very random dots on a, on a, on a, on the, every page of your, of your life. And when you look back after a period of time, say five, 10 years, you, you that's when you start to see a pattern. That's when you realize, you know, the kind of work that, that suits you and it's the kind of work that found you. And it's, it's pretty rewarding to, um, to see the lot, you know, the pattern, you know, but, but I, I do agree with what Steve Jobs said is that it's only sort of looking back over a period of time mm -hmm. that, that that really makes sense. Absolutely. I, it, it certainly makes sense to me. And it's a great, uh, great quote. Now, before we go any further, uh, 
you were being a little humble there about your book. Tell us more about this book that's being released uh, soon. We'd love to hear more about uh, what it's all about. Yeah, thanks. Um, so the book is titled Customer Experience Management Field Manual, The Guide for Building Your Top Performing CX Program. And it's intended to be a desk side reference book. And what I was going for um, very at the very beginning when I was reading, and I read just articles every day, I read so much stuff about CX and a lot of it comes from vendors who are doing their own um, research and reports and articles and so forth. Um, there's folks like yourself, uh, Bob, in fact, one of your articles uh, talked about getting the cart before the horse uh, with respect to um, buying tools for voice to customer programs before really having a structure of strategy and people and process in place to understand how to use the tools. Um, something I completely agree with. So, so anyway, the, the idea is to use this book as a desk side reference. And what the book does is it, it breaks down a customer experience management program <clears throat> into what I call eight core functions. And there's a chapter that explains each core function in detail, includes some frameworks, some ideas, and some examples that any CX leader can, can, can apply to their organization. It's not platitudes that are so vague that they you know, are, are almost unusable. And it's not dogma that's so specific and strict and rigid that it might not work where you work. You know, mm -hmm. What I was looking for was that set of ideas, a structure that sort of simplified, took, took some of the paralysis out of the overwhelming amount of work a CX program is and, and broke it down into something that was useful. So if you don't know how to do a CX strategic plan, you could go to this book, read the chapter, and have a really, really good sense of where to start, what it should look like, what it should include, um, and how it should integrate with you know the, the business strategy and the brand uh, and marketing strategy as well. So, um, so I, was, I don't want this to be the book that you read and go on your shelf. <laughs> I want this the book to be the book that gets you know it stays on your desk. It gets dog-eared, highlighted. Notes are written in the margins. Um, you've got you know sticky notes that. On certain pages that, that say something meaningful, um, and so I, I really hope that that's um, that's that's how it's received by by the the very niche audience it's written for, which is that the CX I, I call everyone in CX CX leaders because um, mm. I think that's what they are, but but uh, it, it's written for predominantly for folks who are starting a new CX program or who are um, looking to looking for some ideas on where to make improvements in, in existing uh, aspects of a CX program. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully. So, it's Jeff, the um, we're certainly going to encourage our listeners to uh, acquire the book and and to go through the manual. One of the things that you've talked about in the past and related directly to a CX program is around a clear purpose. And what I found is many of us as professionals start out with a great deal of enthusiasm and motivation to implement a CX program in our organization and run into barriers or challenges or naysayers or whatever the case may be and, and lose that momentum and, and lose the program. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about this concept of a clear purpose when you're setting out to do a CX program? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I, I agree with you, Bob. In my, in my work with customers um, and in my own personal experience, <clears throat> um, it is a huge challenge that it's so important to, to figure out the purpose because everything sort of flows from there. Um, so I think, I think CX had spent a number of years in the survey, sorry, surveys and scores uh, wilderness, <laughs> I'll call <laughs> it, you know, where, where everybody thought, you know, you needed magical tools to send out surveys and collect, you know, feedback and get scores, put them in a nice slide deck every month, show it to a bunch of folks in, biz in the business and, um, and sort of expect them to answer their own question, which is, so what? And um, and I saw that personally with, with a couple of experiences um, in CX where a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of smart people um, used some really powerful tools to generate surveys, generate insights, create a slide deck, hand it to the business, and that goes straight into the bin. Mm. And, and, and the reason is that information wasn't tied to a bigger picture, a bigger context. It was, um, it was tied to a small idea of what a CX program should be. So in, in my book and in my work, I, I advocate for a, what I call a, 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 a define, decide, design approach. So you've got to define CX for your organization. And you know, not every organization <clears throat> is, is in the um, exhaustive business of making customers happy at the stores or at the branches or, or, or at the dealerships uh, or at the restaurants. Um, you know, some businesses are just digital. Um, so you've got to really define you know, things like customer centricity. And oftentimes you've got to define, spend some time defining what a customer is. You know, there's a lot of business models and operating models out there that um, you know make it pretty unclear who your customer is, right? <laughs> so just getting that just getting that language figured out and saying, okay, if customer experience is okay, who's the customer? And you know, I was in sales for a long time, and I can tell you, if, if I put you in my CRM, you were my customer. Uh, but I also worked with CFOs, and they would tell you, if we sent you an invoice, you're a customer, or you're not a customer until you've paid. An invoice. Mm. Um, so just getting alignment around the definition of a customer and culture, you know, customer centric, customer service, customer focused. Um, we use these buzzwords like like there's a universal definition and we know that there isn't. So so in the in the defined part, it really means um, creating operational definitions that are really contextual for the business um, and getting a clear understanding of the language that you're going to use in the organization to, um, to, to go on to the next discussion, which is around deciding. You're going to decide the approach to CX. Are you going to chase customer expectations and you're going to constantly try to meet or exceed customer expectations? Are you going to set customer expectations and then work to that uh, expectation that you've, you've created with your, with your customers? Uh, oftentimes we see custom companies, organizations advertise that they're digital, fast, easy. And then when you go to their website, they're none of those things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or you go, right? You go to the so store. Like, oh, yeah, we're, 
right? It's like you think, you, you know, I, I worked at a bank, for example, that had this amazing tagline that they were the bank of you. And yet, you know, the, the branch hours were not set for customer convenience. They were set for the bank's convenience. The, the, uh, the website and the processes um, and, and even the use of data, you know, we made you fill out the same form, whether you've been a customer for years or, or you're a brand new customer. So, um, so what did it mean to be the bank of you? Um, we really didn't operate in a manner that was consistent with that brand message. Um, so really, you know, deciding what the approach is going to be. Are you going to, you know, some companies and there's a telco here in Ireland that's focusing on operational efficiency. They're, they're getting their house in order, so to speak, and so focused on operational efficiency internally that they're losing revenue because they're not taking care of customers. Mm. And um, so you see sort of a, 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 um, um, a bit of a pyrrhic victory there where you're, you're getting your costs down and you're getting operational efficiencies and so forth, but you're, you're ignoring the customer and it shows up in the top line um, and customer churn and other, other kind of things that you measure. So it's, it's about sort of finding your balance, you know, how much operational efficiency and internal focus are we gonna have versus you know, how much customer satisfaction and uh, focus on customer loyalty and, 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 and customer acquisition um, will there be? And then, and of course, it's all gonna depend on your operating model, your business, your industry, your competition, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get into designing, and that's where you actually, so once we know who we are, what we wanna do, what outcomes we really wanna see happen, what needles we want to move, um, then you can design a, a CX program that serves that purpose. Um, what I've seen very often is, uh, organizations will go out and they'll buy a very expensive and a very powerful tool or set of tools to conduct surveys, do analytics, and generate insights. Um, but they give that insight to the business who then is like, okay, listen, I'm, I'm making the, co the contact center, for example, might be killing their KPIs. And if my incentive, if the incentive programs uh, are linked to the, the KPI performance. There's nothing in your slide deck that's going to convince them to do it differently, right? Even mm -hmm. if customers are, are are unhappy about something, and we've seen this, right? We've seen like th th there's other forces at bay, at play here. And what I call them in my book, I refer to them as it's a it's a pun because it's sort of a military metaphor in the book. I call those special forces, right? There are organizational um, uh, elements of the organization culture that resist your CX program. There's incentives that touch the most sensitive part of the human anatomy, which is the wallet, right? So if you, and if your KPI achievement is consistent, is, is in line with your, with your um, uh, incentive program, you have a really hard time as a CX leader getting folks to, 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 to appreciate uh, your insights from the VOC program or the customer understanding program. So you want to align with those things. You want to really understand um, what the company values, what the organization measures, why the organization measures those things. What are the incentives and the sort of other invisible forces that are going on in the organization that you're, you might be at cross purposes with. And I think um, if you can do all that, it's a lot of work. And, and, and this is where my advisory and consulting, management consulting background is, is played in. 
you know, there are organizations like Accenture and Deloitte and PwC and EY. That's what they, they spend six months to a year figuring all that stuff out. Um, just kind of figuring out what the plan is and defining things and, 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 and charting a course um, to go from where they are now to, to, to this, this, this future state, um, which would be the design thing that I, that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think being, that to me is the sort of all the work that goes into being, uh, creating a purpose-built CX program that isn't just surveys and scores. I think, I think there's, enough, there's enough war stories out there about surveys and scores programs getting you know axed right the staff right. getting getting repurposed the budget going somewhere else um you know the subscriptions to the tools getting canceled and, and things like that um but i think they're, they're, they're i i personally am aware there's a lot of stories of people who started there but then they've evolved their program to be much more impactful to the business um but it required them having a moment where they they, they, they absolutely designed the bigger uh, purpose of the CX program. That, does that make sense? It, it does. And uh, listeners, as a reminder, you're listening to Jeff Sheehan, and um, I hope you grab some of the nuggets he was just talking about. One of them in particular that really hit me was the definition of the customer. I, I, I could really relate to that, Jeff, because I can't tell you the number of times where I walked into a room and thought that we all knew who the customer was. And within the first 10 or 15 minutes of the meeting to, to talk about a CX program, we had no clue who the customer was or a de definition of the customer. And so it, it, it certainly was a learning example for me to say, make sure you know who your customers are and, and, and everybody in the dif different disciplines knows who they are as well. Yeah, and, and thanks, thanks for that, uh, Bob. It's, it's a very common, it's counterintuitive, right? We talk so much about customers when, we, when we're talking about customer experience, um, but we never talk, we very seldom talk about defining customers. And as I said, you know, there's lots of different business operating models and business models, um, you know, B2B, B2C, B2B2C, and all the rest of them, right? Direct to consumer. Um, and, uh, and then there's channels and partners and alliances. So, you know, you've, you've flown a lot, I'm sure. And, you know, when I get on a, a flight from Dublin to go back to Boston, I'm on a, a, an Aer Lingus flight number, but it's also a United Airlines flight number. And I'm mm. not gonna know which airplane I'm on until I see it. And, you know, so if I have a crappy experience, am I a United customer or am I an Aer Lingus customer, <laughs> right? right. And, and if I call Aer Lingus and they say, oh no, that's a, that's a, that's a code share with, uh, you really have to call some, like it's you begin to see in, in so many instances where it, it can really uh, affect not just your program but the customer's actual experience and and, I, and I've I've been in those conversations many times where um, you know you have to really stop and and define I call it operational definition right it's not you're not going to find it in a book somewhere but you have to sort of dis decide for yourselves what the word customer is going to mean um, and I've also operate under the, you know, I've also had the experience where you're probably not going to get it down to one definition. If you can, great. But, you know, there's accounting rules, for example, I used to work uh, in the consulting uh, line of business at an accounting firm. So I was constantly working with CFOs uh, in my customer accounts. 
And, um, you know, they have their own sets of definitions that they go by generally accepted accounting principles. So the definition mm -hmm. of a customer has a sort of rigor to it in the CFO world that it might not have in the sales world. So you have to really, <laughs> um, you know, know your audience, right? And, and, right? and not just define customer, but define customer for the audience you're working with. And, and so again, you know, another challenge for CX, but, um, but if you go in with your eyes open and you understand that that's a starting point, uh, you know, you, 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 can, you can save a lot of time in the future. No question. Uh, wow, our time has flown by, Jeff. This has been an outstanding discussion, but there's just one more concept I wanna sneak in and get your thoughts on it before we close. And that's this concept of a CX audit. And it sounds like that might come as you bet the program that you've just described a starting point for the program, but maybe as the program has matured a little bit, tell us a little bit about what you mean by a CX audit. Yeah, CX audit uh, is, is really, it goes back to my 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 army days when you're 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 I was a commission officer, so I would get as a lieutenant, I got a platoon, as a captain, I got a company, and you show up, and you inspect your unit, and oftentimes it literally means you inspect the soldiers personally and their their personal equipment. You inspect. Uh, I was in aviation, so we would inspect the aircraft, we would inspect the motor pool and the vehicles, and you'd really just see with your own eyes what condition what 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 you had uh what you were now in charge of right the people the, the equipment not only in terms of numbers and quantities and was it all there and but was it serviceable was it ready to do the job that it you know it existed to do and so a cx audit is the sort of commercial business version of that in cx where you assess your own organization as a cx leader for its uh capacity to conduct cx uh, or, or to actually conduct the CX program. Um, and, you know, along sort of these dimensions of strategy, people, process, technology, culture, and change, right? So, so I'll just touch on those, uh, each of those quickly. You know, strategy, oftentimes um, CX leaders try to create their own strategy, but the strategy I'm referring to is the business strategy and the brand strategy. Um, there's probably already enough strategy in your organization and CX should help fulfill what the goals are of the business strategy and the brand strategy. That's, that's my opinion. And I, 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 I'm very mm -hmm. um, adamant about that in the book. You shouldn't really spend too much time creating your own strategy. A strategic plan for CX is, 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 is useful, but coming up with your own sort of broader CX strategy, I haven't seen that work out too well too often. Mm. And, and in terms of people, you know, just is there staff, you know, do you have a dedicated uh, executive sponsor? Do you have a dedicated CX leader? Do you have any dedicated um, CX sort of data analysis resources? You know, who is involved with CX? And um, and then the qualitative aspects of that, you know, do they are they brand new? Are they are they um, are they double duty or are they dedicated to kind of, um, processes? Oftentimes businesses have the process stuff down pretty well, but um, you know, what are they? You know, what condition are they in? Um, you know, do they work? Oftentimes a lot of process hasn't been challenged in a while. So when you think about the forms you fill out or the, or the reports you do, 
And uh, it's not until somebody says, hey, why don't we do this? And people say, yeah, I don't know. We just always did. <laughs> right? And then you can start, you know, and, then, and so, so, you know, you, you might, you might, in a CX audit, you might run into some of those things, um, but you'd have to challenge it, of course. Technology, you know, what do you have? How is it used? Are you using all of it? You know, for example, I was working at a bank where we had a, a, a telephony stack of technology that supported the contact center and uh, it was hosted by a third party who maintained all of it and stuff like that. We paid for it and owned all the licenses, but it was just it sort of was was um, off premise in somebody else's data center. And uh, they did a great job keeping track of all the versions and all the layers and of all the bits of technology. But um, it was clear to me that it had what we were paying for had so much more capacity. So, for example, uh, it was a financial services organization I worked in. We recorded every conversation with a customer, um, but we didn't have a, a voice analytics tool to take all of that, that that content and translate it into something useful in terms of customer feedback and and, uh, and insight. Um, but you you do want to have a look at what what you have before you go asking someone. Uh, you know, for budget to buy something new. Uh, oftentimes organizations have um, things that people just forgot about or if they didn't even know about it. I mean, I had to find a third party to tell me what we had for technology in the organization because um, it had been outsourced for so long, there wasn't really anyone in-house who knew what it was. So, so it was that, you know, those kind of things. And the culture, of course, you know, uh, culture could mean a lot of things. One of the dimensions of culture I talk a lot about in the book is time. You know, CX leaders get a job in CX and they're expected to achieve something in a certain amount of time. And if you've looked for a new job in recently, there's this, I'll call it habit or standard for saying, okay, what do you expect to accomplish to accomplish in the first 90 days? And some organizations, they, they run quarter to quarter at pace, right? Mm -hmm. And some organizations like startups have a very different cadence, a very, very different pace than maybe a more mature organization that has a different pace. Or maybe you're in that innovation center in the mature organization. And so you're run a little faster than the parent organization. So there's different, there's so many aspects to culture, but that's just one of them. You just kind of understanding the timing that you're, that you're working in, in your organization. And then of course change, right? I believe strongly, and I, and I think it proves itself time and again with people in CX that we're change agents. Our job is to build a program of continuous improvement. And so that means you've got to change something. Yeah, that means you've got to stop doing this or you start doing that or you know, do what we were doing, do it a little differently. And you know, organizations have a capacity for change um, they might have a process for change. They might have tools for change. They might have a dedicated um, person, you know, for organizational change management. Um, but it's a very, very crucial part of. I think a CX, uh, I think it's a very crucial part of a CX program because you are making change and it's pretty continuous. So um, having a method and a process and the tools and, and all the rest of it is, is so important. But I think a CX audit just overall will capture that. And in my book, I've got a chapter on a CX audit. I've got some uh, worksheets and some tools and some frameworks that talk about a CX audit and, and what you can achieve with it. Um, and then there's, you know, there's the CX audit as the new person showing up to an organization. 
mm -hmm. or you've been to the organization, but you're new to CX. And then there's the continuous improvement uh, or the, the CX audit in later years where you can assess the organization, the maturity of the CX program in the organization. So as I said, CX is a program for continuous improvement. So you'd expect that over three, four, five years and longer that the organization's CX capacity and capability would improve and would be refined and maybe even expanded with more staff or more budget or more whatever. Um, so a CX audit is a great way to sort of, again, inspect the organization, have a look at different dimensions of the organization's CX program and understand you know, what condition it's in um, you know, at that time. Just an excellent concept. And, and as Jeff mentioned to our listeners, uh, uh, a chapter in his book and certainly uh, one of the many reasons to seek out and acquire uh, his book when it's released. Jeff, this has been a great session. I always ask this final question of my guests. What final thought do you have for our listeners? And I leave it wide open for our guests. So I'll ask the same of you. A final thought for our listeners. Yeah, I love the, I love, you know, you're, you're, you're a KG interviewer, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been called a lot of things, but KG hasn't been one of them. <laughs> no, I mean it in the best possible way. You, you, uh, you leave it very open and, and I appreciate that. Um, I would say this, I would say that for any listener to this podcast and certainly anyone who's in CX is to see yourself as being in a leadership role. A lot of things I talk about in my book, you know, suggest that, you know, they're already figured out, like that, that you've already got a business strategy or a brand strategy or brand promises and so forth. And it's, it's, it's very likely that in a lot of organizations, those things aren't figured out. And I don't want, uh, you know, CX leaders to be frustrated and upset that they need something and it hasn't been figured out. And so they feel like they have to stop. I want CX leaders to feel empowered to go and make it happen. And this is my army, 10 years of army uh, uh, experience coming out, which is you, you don't just stand around and wait for something, you make it happen. And I think there's such a great opportunity with CX for people to make a career out of demonstrating leadership and taking charge and, and making recommendations to um, senior leaders in the organization where if it isn't figured out and you, let's say an example, you did a CX audit, you see a gap and you see a solution for that gap, own that recommend that take that and fight for that and make it happen um, because that kind of initiative and leadership can only serve you well uh, over over a you know a career and uh, i think that's what's expected for, from cx leaders is uh for a lot of people it's new they hire you to figure it out and figure it out is what you should do and and, and take charge take chances take a risk um and uh, just see yourself as having that i'll call it you know cape you know you tie a little cape around your neck and just you know move around your organization sort of self-empowered to 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 make stuff happen because um otherwise it can be very very frustrating because you're going to run into challenge after challenge and um you know i i think i think one other thing i would add to that is as part of figuring out how to you know, create value in, from CX, from a CX program in the organization. Find someone that wants you to help them. Some people will resist your effort. Some people won't understand your effort. Some people might think, well, I can do it myself. Why would I need you and that kind of thing? But if you find someone who 
could use your help, your CX work could help them fulfill their part of what they're responsible for and create an alliance there, create some success there. Um, you know, that, that's a good tailwind you can, you can have, you know, moving forward, you know, with, with, with you've got a great success story, like anything else, you've got a great success story, a great win um, that gets people's attention. And then you'll find people asking you to help them and so forth. But um, long answer, but basically see yourself as a CX leader, take the initiative, empower yourself to, to get things done and, um, you know, align yourself with folks who you can help achieve what's important to them using uh, your CX program. It, it's final thoughts like that, listeners. Uh, that is the reason I asked that question. This has been a podcast with Jeff Sheehan and a great series of nuggets that he shared with us as um, members of this podcast. So thank you, Jeff, very much thank for you. your time today. And listeners, uh, please share this podcast uh, with your network. This has been another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and until next podcast, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.